Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network this afternoon. NFL playoffs coming up. We're about to get into that. Bobby Carpenter joins us in 20 minutes. We'll discuss the college football playoff expansion discussion and the lack thereof, uh, uh, where it doesn't appear we're anywhere close to seeing expansion from the four-team playoff. We'll get Bobby's take on that and uh, recap a bit of what he wrote at outkick.com. Also, Austin Price and uh, Brent Hubs from VolQuest.com will be with us in an hour. Looking forward to all of that. Guys, can't wait for Wild Card Weekend uh, with the expanded playoffs in the NFL. Now seven teams from each conference. Titans and Packers getting the bye, and it kicks off tomorrow. Uh, one big thing on every NFL game for Wild Card Weekend, starting with the five-seed Las Vegas Raiders against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the player that no one talks about for the Raiders is kicker Daniel Carlson. He kicked overtime field goals. Uh, and made uh, one of 22 yards in Week 3 to beat Miami. He hit a 33-yarder in Week 12 to beat Dallas. He hit a 47-yarder last week to beat the Chargers in overtime. He also hit a 48-yarder as time expired to beat Cleveland in Week 15. He hit a 33-yarder to beat the Colts in Week 16. Uh, The guy is clutch. The Bengals, meanwhile, back in the playoffs for the first time since 2015... Uh, and they haven't won a post postseason game since 1990. And Jacob Swanson has the graphic here for for the Bengals, where uh, Chad, you and I were on a text chain where we, we received this information that the last time the Bengals actually won a playoff game was 1991, Pretty and the f- the first text message was sent in '92. Yeah, Sam Weish, yeah. right? Was yeah, the coach the, of that team. Well, the tweet was something like, "And nobody in human history has texted a buddy right. about a the a Bengals winning a playoff game, which is amazing." That. Paul Brown Stadium is going to be rocking. Uh, New England against Buffalo. This is the 8:15 Eastern kickoff on NBC tomorrow. A lot of talk about Josh Allen and Mac Jones this week, but this game is about defense. Matthew Judon, he did not record a double-digit sack season in Baltimore, and he joins the Patriots and has done just that. He's got 12.5 or 13.5 sacks on the season entering this game. He's just been voted to his first Pro Bowl. The best of their big money signings, and they had a lot. And they finished, the, the, the Patriots did, finished fourth in the NFL in total defense. Uh, and they face Buffalo that finished the regular season first in scoring defense, first in passing defense, and first in total defense. It's a very impressive. Sunday, Philadelphia against Tampa Bay. One o'clock Eastern kickoff on Fox. It's the top rushing offense from the NFC taking on the top rushing defense in the NFC uh, where Philadelphia comes in running the football very well against Tom Brady and the Bucks, who don't even really run it all that much. Second fewest rushing attempts on the season were the Buccaneers and, and their offense. The last time Tom Brady faced the Eagles in the postseason was 
the Super Bowl loss in 2017. Um, but back in week six, it was Thursday night football, and the Bucks beat the Eagles 26-22, 28-22, excuse me, six-point win for the Bucks. And here's Brady at 44 years old. He threw for 5,316 yards this season. 43 touchdowns were the second-best total of his career. He threw a career-high 719 passes, and he completed 67.5% of those passes. Um, outstanding. And he threw 50 passes in a game four times, and most of the time, that is, you're doomed. Brady wins games where he throws for 50 or more. And here's Jalen Hurts coming in as the, what we, uh, I presume, the healthy quarterback. We don't know for sure with the ankle but the healthy quarterback for Philadelphia who has rushed for 10 touchdowns this season. That's the difference in the game. If, if Hertz is available to do what he does and what he's done over the last two months, Philly can hang with him. Will Brady turn one of these quote-unquote no-name guys into somebody we're talking about after this game? Because I don't know if Evans and Gronkowski alone can do Maybe they can do it against Philly. Uh, they're not taking him to the Super Bowl unless somebody else emerges. San Francisco and Dallas is the late afternoon kick on Sunday, 4.30, kickoff time on CBS, the classic postseason matchup here uh, with the 49ers and Cowboys. The Cowboys led the NFL with 34 defensive takeaways. 26 of those 34 were interceptions, and they returned five interceptions for touchdowns. They had 11 different players that recorded a pick in 2021. Outstanding. And, And you've got Trayvon Diggs, who led the NFL interceptions, had 11 picks. First time we've seen a player with 11 interceptions in a season in, what, 40 years, 45 years. First team All-Pro today. Fantastic. And then Jimmy G led the game tie in 83-yard drive last week with a minute and a half to go in regulation to send it to overtime. Uh, And then he had the 12-play drive in overtime to seal it for San Francisco. Is he ready to lead big drives in Big D? We find out tomorrow, or Sunday afternoon, excuse me. And then the nightcap on Sunday night is Pittsburgh- at Kansas City. The Chiefs should not face much of a problem this week. Everyone is on board with that line of thinking. Uh, they finished the season winning nine of their final ten games, and they won their sixth consecutive division title. So the Steelers come in. What they do very well is sack the quarterback. They led the league in sacks. They've got the guy in T.J. Watt who tied the uh, Strahan record for most sacks in a season. That's how they can disrupt this game but ultimately, beyond that, ultimately, uh, Hill Tyreek Hill's back in this game. He didn't play in the first one against Pittsburgh. They still were up thirty nothing. Um, Kelsey was also out for that game. They were still were leading thirty nothing by middle of the third quarter. And then Monday Night Football, Arizona and L.A. Number five, uh, Arizona against the four seed L.A. Rams. Good news for the Cardinals is this game is actually on the road. They are 8-1 and one on the road this season. Um, and <laughs> they, they're 3-5 and five at home, which is just bizarre. They, they have nearly the same record at home as the Bengals do uh, at, at their home stadium. The Rams, they had a five-game winning streak going and then lost this past week. Um, but Stafford has thrown 13 interceptions in his last nine games. He's thrown eight in his last four games. And... The Rams win this game if he doesn't turn it over at the clip he's been doing that. But look, Stafford, he also has some history going for him because the top two most productive seasons by wide receivers in NFL history, we saw it this year, Cooper Cup 
and then we saw, we've seen it with Calvin Johnson. Stafford was the quarterback for both of those receivers at the top of the list. Give me a team on each side, not that you're picking a win, that you're rooting, rooting for. Um, I, I would say San Francisco would be one for me. And the I'd like to see go to Dallas and win. And who do you like? Well, in the, who are you rooting for in the AFC? I think it, for me, again, I'm not picking them to win, but I'd like to see Cincy win. I mean, it's been since 1991 since yeah. they won a postseason game. I'm absolutely rooting for, for Cincinnati. And I'm rooting I think for it's the, tough, though, because I'm to me, the, the, Rams the, for some reason. the two best stories to me are playing each other. So I think it's a cool story if either, either one of those teams win. Yeah. With Cincinnati and Vegas. But set aside stories like just something. I would be rooting I'd like for both those Cincinnati. teams that are playing I'd, someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I'd Derek like to Carr see Cincinnati win. I'm rooting for Zach Taylor, who's been friendly to me. I, I'm rooting for Burrow, who I really like watching play. I'm rooting for the Cincinnati story because of what you're, you're saying. Yeah. And in the NFC, I just, I've liked the Rams more than they deserve to be liked. So I kind of want to be proven c- correct and see them get things aligned. They should be better than they've been down the stretch. I want to see them get back to what they were at their best this year. They have, I mean, they're all in. They got talent. They're all in. I mean, they've made the trades and trades and trades galore. To, yeah, that's to part gear of it. I, I, I want people to follow the leader on the go get players over picks and all of that. And it doesn't, it's not going to become a trend the way I'd like it to become a trend unless the Rams do really well. And the Cardinals are also a good story there. Yeah, you've liked the Cardinals I mean, all along. That, that third year together with Kingsbury and Murray, um, I, I, I would have picked the Cardinals to pull the upset, but Hopkins being out plays a huge role in this game. Um, their, their firepower, you know, they've got some options, but Hopkins in the lineup allows Zach Ertz and others to do their thing, and now you can pay more attention to other outlets that Murray's you know, going to be throwing to. And, you know, the, he's great at these, I call them circus acts uh, throws, where, you know, he's, he's off the back foot, falling backwards and lets it rip and completes a pass down the sideline. But those passes have not been going for completions as of late. He's been, he's been struggling with some of his play. And, you know, can they corral that a bit and get back to that without Hopkins in the lineup? When That's why I didn't Hopkins win. did you see the Hopkins news? Because, like, I had to go look for that today to check his status. I missed Well, it. I've just been following his injury um, reports throughout the week with practice. So I don't know if he's been ruled out officially yeah, or not. I, I mean, I found stuff from early in the, earlier in the week that said he wasn't, he wasn't gonna going to make it back. Uh, I was surprised that Twitter wasn't a where, bigger, bigger story when that was. Yeah, because out. he was, because whenever they put him on deal. IR, it was thought that he would be back. Yeah, right. They were targeting for, playoffs. For the playoffs. Yeah. So that's a big disappointment. No one's picking Philly. I think they can give Tampa a run, though. I do. I, it's not a pretty no. ball, so that, that's why I'm not rooting for them. But they're being rooted for in my house big time. I'll be uh, – I mean, if, I, if I'm ranking potential blowouts, uh, I, it's no surprise. It's two versus seven in both of them for me. But it is Pittsburgh getting blown out. It's going to be a bad weekend for the state of Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh's going to get blown out. Philly, I believe, will get blown out. But I like Philly's chances of making it a game – much better than Pittsburgh. I will be rooting for them for the sake of family harmony. <laughs> and then, you know, with, um, with New England on the road in Buffalo, which coach, after facing each other, has the, has the perfect wrinkle 
That's how I'll phrase it. Like the the wrinkle to the game plan that we have not seen. Because you're going to, in the rematches, there's no reason not to stick with what has worked to get you wins. Mac Jones throwing 30 times is not the formula for New England, uh, nor is it a, a great formula for Buffalo to expect to have bad conditions and need to run the football. They want to throw it with Allen. And in cases where there were bad conditions for the field, we saw Allen didn't have that same success. Meanwhile, you have Mac Jones, who, when forced to throw it, couldn't do it on a consistent fashion against Buffalo's defense, the number, one the de- number one pass defense in the league. For me, I don't know how often you guys have this. Like, that's a game I won't know who I want to win until I see them on the field. Like, I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other. I, I would not mind seeing the Bills have more success yeah. because I like the way they've built. But I could go either way in that game until I see them on the field. I just, looking at New England and Buffalo, it's got to be really bad conditions for New England to have a chance. I think anything, even if it's just extreme cold that affects offenses more, will be. that's that's the benefit but to isn't New England. It, isn't it amazing that a month yes, and a half is. ago, the storyline was, and maybe it was more like two months ago, but a month and a half to two months ago, the storyline was, oh, look at these Patriots. Who do they remind you of? The 2001 New England Patriots yeah, team. And now no now. one's talking about that. Yeah, that's quieted down a great deal. That, that was very aspirational, right? That was like, if things... I, I think we thought if things go perfectly for them, they could be that. But here's that was asking a lot. Uh, but here's where they are, like the 2001 Patriots. No how one's the picking two, them. Well, yeah, right. how did the 2001 Patriots advance the playoffs? They had to win in a row. A snow game. They beat the Raiders in the snow game, the no, Tuck Rule a, game. That was a home, though. They got a break in a bad weather game. I mean, I'm sitting here saying, well, in 2022, 20, 20 years later, I guess the game was played technically in 2002. Uh, 20 years later, I'm thinking about, boy, they really need bad weather to have a chance with their quarterback against Buffalo's quarterback. And a tuck rule kind so of that, And that way it is similar. So it's going to be around 8 degrees is the expected temperature around kickoff yeah, and then that, down to this. 6. Regular cold, I don't think, is a, is a factor for either of those teams unless you've got sideways winds like we saw in the one game. or The latest or forecast I saw was like 15-mile-per-hour winds, which is nowhere close to 60 which is what they faced the last time. By the way, we touched on this yesterday. I mean, Titans earned their buy and everything. It would be cool as hell if the Titans had a home game on Sunday (laughs) because I don't know if logistically and operationally, if there are eight inches of snow in Nashville, Tennessee, (laughs) if people could get to that damn game. Nashville, Tennessee is not equipped (laughs) for eight inches of snow. (laughs) Like uh, media getting there, players getting there, uh, you know, uh, Fans get it. It would be chaos in this city. Uh, oh, there'd be cars off the side of the interstate and, and roads all over the place. And people walking out of yeah, desperation because they had to be there. In a ditch somewhere. Yeah. I brought this up the to you guys on uh, the snow day we down. had in Nashville last week, looking outside thinking, what if this hit for a Titans home game one time? Oh, Just right in the middle of it. It was late game. in the afternoon. And I'm thinking, people in Nashville aren't getting out of the stadium. You're, you're right. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get home. People who rely on Uber to get to and from the game? Yeah, a lot of the people Uber w- drivers are... Home in front of the fires. It's going to be a lot of people walking to that quality inn right next to the stadium. Yeah, and the rate just went up a little bit, like 10 times. (laughs) Paul, I understand where you're coming from. I'm so glad that we don't have to face that this weekend. I I mean, you and I would get a room. 
the night before, probably. I guess. If we could find one. <laughs> get a room, you two. Yeah. Get a room. Well, by the way, I really, talking about Buffalo in western New York, I really uh, appreciate that lack of fluctuation in their weather. It's oh. going to be a high of eight, low of six. <laughs> so you get to night, night in western New York right off the lake. It's yeah. well, You don't have to worry right. about a job. Don't worry about it. It's going to be around the same. Yeah. It's, we're not going from eight to, you know, 18 below. Nobody's saying, hey, get an extra sweater for tonight. Yeah, if, that, six. if that game was in the south, that's what it would be. There would be a 25, 25 degree fluctuation from kickoff to the yeah. end of the game later at night. Yeah. Get an extra but pair in of Buffalo, hand it's like oh, four hours later, three hours Same later, thing. six. Yeah. You lost a degree or two. Well, the sun, it's really changed since the sun went down. Yeah. You know what I all I, the same. Also, I would I would love to know if Bart Scott's comments like went rampant through the locker room of these teams this week, where he said like he he knew of teammates, and I'm assuming he threw this out there like he had done it, but he said guys across the league would do it in my in my day of popping Viagra to get the blood flow going prior to a game that's where it's going to be it extremely does. cold. And I wonder, I mean, it makes sense. I wonder if these guys heard about this and <laughs> immediately uh, placed their order. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, let's be candid about this. So it gets blood flow to your hands and feet, which is a good thing for being able to play in the, in the cold. But nobody talked about what it's like to play a 60-minute game with an erection. <laughs> well, <laughs> which is, you know, four hours or more, which is uh, less time. It, that, that's longer than uh, what the NFL wants this Can game you, to be. Yeah, which just is three hours I'm, and ten honey, minutes. I'm home. Just imagine that on the injury report. That's <laughs> why someone couldn't go. <laughs> Viagra fail. Yeah, vi- uh, vi- Viagra Blood related. Uh, Viagra success. It's a blood it's a, flow. It's a non-virus related <laughs> illness. <laughs> and trying to explain what it is, it's a lower extremity situation. Situation or injury? Blood, a situation. situation. Blood, blood non, flow. Non-COVID, non-virus related. Uh, it's, it's 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 uh, medicine induced. Even better. They're trying Chad? to lead to it without saying exactly what it is. Even better. Imagine Belichick being asked about said condition. Yeah. And then what do you do about the cup? <laughs> Your cup doesn't fit anymore. Oh, just uh, again, I, I guarantee you there are guys who are doing it. Well, I mean, I would think so too. And, you know, Belichick is of an age that maybe he's got some to loan out to his players also. Who need? Who knows? I mean, whatever it takes to win. Also, I don't know if you guys saw this this week, but uh, Coach K didn't coach a game at Wake Forest because he was sick. And now we have to, the designation was he is out with a non-COVID-related virus. <laughs> Do we really have to say, like, it's amazing now that we've reached a point where if, whether it's alpha, beta, gamma, delta to Omicron, if it's not COVID, we have to, it's a virus, but it's not, it's a non-COVID virus. Like, do you have to say, it's well, stomach bug. They don't want you to think that the team is, the next game is going to be canceled. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I guess, it's just weird to me when I saw that you had to designate don't worry, it's non-COVID virus. It's a separate virus. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. We discuss college football with Bobby Carpenter of Outkick.com. He's about to join us, and we'll get into uh, his column, his piece at Outkick.com, and uh, his take on the expansion of college football's playoff. We know what's going to happen. The question is when, and we know it's not going to happen this offseason. We'll get his take as to why. And if he has the same type of concerns that some of these other conferences and commissioners are having, or if he's on board with us, where it's like, let's expand, let's get to 12, go. And let's, let's go big. Bobby Carpenter, next, so now kick 360. 
We are live from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. With Chad Withrow and Paul Kaharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. We're with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, the distillery, the brewery here on site, along with a gift shop where you can come buy moonshine, and they've got every flavor imaginable. I'll just say that. Chad, I was about to look oh. out and try to go through them, but I'm looking out here at the, the Blue Flame They've got Blackberry. They have your your White Lightning. They've got it all out here, and it goes on for it is a hundred yards. Kaleidoscope of moonshine. <laughs> I mean, every color you can imagine, every flavor. Uh, they've got you covered. Whatever your taste buds demand, they've got it here at Sixth and Peabody. Come check it out. Bobby Carpenter's going to uh, check out Sixth and Peabody soon. I believe he's he's coming to town, maybe for uh, some of the NFL playoff games, especially if the Titans are hosting the AFC Championship game. He is our college football contributor at Outkick.com. Of course, played with the Dallas Cowboys as well. Bobby, hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, man. I mean, hopefully Tennessee can sit back this weekend, relax, see their opponent next week, get a win, and then I'll be down there with you guys so we can taste some of that delicious moonshine. Absolutely. We'll get the tasty ready. Hey, uh, we're going to talk college football in a moment. What's your favorite game of the weekend across the NFL? Ooh. My goodness, that is tough because you've got, you know, being an Ohio guy, loving Joe Burrow, Cincinnati not winning a playoff game for 31 years. I mean, they're <laughs> essentially like the Georgia Bulldogs right now of the NFL. They've been close. They've had good teams. They haven't pulled one out. You've got the Patriots and Bills rematch, which is going to be great. You know, my guy, Matty Stafford out uh, in Los Angeles taking on the cards. You know, hopefully maybe Georgia winning the national championship will help him get over the playoff hump a little bit. You know, those are three that I really like. But if you force me to pick one, it's probably has has to be the opener uh, with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. You have that AFC championship game ticket in hand. Or are you waiting to see how the market goes? You connected. How's that working? Listen, coach, I'm going to give a, I'm going to give Mike a call. Raves, I mean, we're going to get that thing straightened out. I mean, hopefully maybe a sideline pass. If he wants to get me a headset to help out uh, just so I can hear him curse in my ear and yell at me the whole time. Yeah, I'd be game for that as well. Bobby, we, we've been discussing. Uh, well, it feels like for months and it, it really has been the college football playoff expansion. Um, and could we get it to 12 teams? And I know that's what the SEC wants. That If the SEC want it, it wants it, you know ESPN is all on board with that as well with a contract that's going to expire after the 2025 season. What are your overall thoughts on expanding the playoff based on what we've seen so far? And uh, what are your thoughts on um, commissioners who are against this saying that, you know what, we're going to sit back and wait instead of expanding anything right now? Well, I think everybody's for it. And... You know, I, I believe Bowlesby, there's a couple of commissioners that came out. Like, everybody's for expanding the playoffs. Like, if there's one conference that really shouldn't be for it, it would be the SEC because, you know, they've gotten two teams in. You know, I don't think any other conference has done that to this point. So, they've gotten two teams in multiple times. They had all SEC national championships. So, it's like, why, why should they want to add anybody? And so, you look at this from the Pac-12, I wanted to expand. You know, the Big Ten, they get one team in most years. That would probably mean a second, potentially third team for them if they could go to that 12-game format. You're getting a group of five school in. You're getting a big 12 school in. You're going to get an ACC school, maybe two in. And so you know, I think it works for a lot of people. What I think everybody's sitting here trying to hold them hostage to is the parameters of which uh, the 12-team expands. And is it conference champions? 
Is it the highest ranked team in the conference for auto bids? You know, how does that all work out? And, you know, do you want to see, and this is what I struggle with guys when I'm sitting here looking at this is I love the conference championship games in basketball is great because they mean something in football. It's like, all right, if you're, you know, an eight and four team from, you know, one half of the division that may not be very good. If you win, like you're still not getting in the team that loses probably still is. So I would almost like to see that. But then the problem with it is you get a little bit what college basketball has where you're probably not getting the truest champion. And so I want to make sure the best teams are getting in while still trying to balance making all these games mean something. Because if not, like, why are we playing the conference championship games? I mean, outside of money, everybody acknowledges that, like that's a big piece of it, but outside, like, why are we going to play them? And so I think that some of these schools are trying to hold or conferences rather are trying to build the parameters around it. And I, I frankly, honestly think that they want to probably try to cap the number of schools at maybe four, maybe three or four. I, I have no idea. And this is just speculation of what these guys' motives are, because I don't think anyone wants to see the SEC getting five teams in. They could probably handle three, potentially four. But, you know, I put this piece together, you know, that uh, we put out today for OutKick about, you know, this, that was, this was one of the best national championship games I could remember. It had great storylines. It's got the big bad villain in Alabama. You know, they're underdogs somehow. You've got a walk-on quarterback at Georgia. You've got Kirby Smart, you know, the with his going against his mentor, a school that's been really good, but hasn't won a title in 41 years. And, you know, the rate in a great game that ultimately came from it. And the ratings weren't reflective of that. Like it was the second lowest rated championship game in the last 16 years and second only to last year, which, you know, was COVID. It was a stale season. There were no fans, you know, it ended up kind of being a, a you know, a blowout with Bama beating Ohio state and so I'm like, you had all the ingredients of why it should have been great. If this was the NFL, that game would have rated through the roof. And so how do you get people on the West Coast to watch? How do you get people in the Northeast to watch? Like regions where they're not typical football viewers. And, you know, why does this matter? The SEC, they're getting teams in. They're making tons of money. Big Ten's making a lot of money. The rest of the conference as well, maybe not as much. But if you can get the playoff to the level of where kind of, you know, the NFL is, then all of a sudden, I mean, everybody's making even more. And I know that's one thing, like some money is good. More money is even better. So all the conferences would stand to gain, including the SEC and the Big Ten, who are the, the ca most cash rich at this point. And so I'm trying to like balance this of like, hey, getting more people involved, more people watching a game that, you know, I think collectively all of us could sit here and say we love the product is fantastic. But how do you make it appeal to the masses? Because this year the game had all of the ingredients outside of the regionality of it. And that's why I, I believe that it probably didn't rate all that well. Do you think that rating helps maybe, I don't know, stir a, a, a little bit of fear into some of these power brokers who might be hesitant on expanded playoffs to, to, to say, hey, there's money on the table and maybe everything's not as rosy as it looks and we should, should get going on this thing? I, I would hope so. Because you look at, like, think about this. Like, there are people who exclusively watch college football. There are people that exclusively watch the NFL, but on that Venn diagram, you know, you got the two circles. There's a lot of overlap. There is a large percentage of it. The NFL was up 10% this year. It had 91 of the top hundred rated telecasts in all of television. Like it is as powerful as ever. And so with that, it's like, Hey, how can college football get a little bit of a slice? So I hope that people are looking at this and understanding like, Hey, 
we can concede some things, but a rising tide will ultimately lift all ships. So I think people are trying to play tough, but nobody wants to wait that long. It appears that that's going to be the case. But I do think home site playoff games would be fantastic. It'll be a huge win. I think expanding to 12 and you have those home sites, it's still going to make the non-conference important. So you're still going to get to see some of these big-time matchups. And that's what people love about college football. So hopefully this will bring it back to being a national game again where people from all over the coast can watch it. And as we've learned, sports properties are the most valuable in the media space right now because it's the only thing that's not DVRable. You cannot DVR a football game unless you're willing to go like full communications blackout for until you get a chance to watch, which is impossible. Nobody wants to do that anymore. Well, and, and since we're talking about you know improvements to the game and, and it, the game that we love and how do you keep people and get more people on board loving it, you know, it, not being a regional game obviously is one of them. And so much of that, Bobby, uh, to me is th- that programs just can't give up because I think it's easy right now to look around at the haves versus the have-nots and throw your arms in the air and say, my alumni base isn't ever going to care as much we're never going to have as much fans. We're never going to have as much NIL money, as much interest. We're just never going to be able to really compete, so why should we even care? It's resisting that urge and also following what Nick Saban and Kirby Smart said about the need for some sort of regulatory body over NIL. And they're talking about it's you're going to create even more of the haves and have-nots, and people took that as, well, you guys are the haves. Well, they're going to be even more of the haves, I think is what they're warning about, because if you don't control it, those programs will go crazy and get everyone. And I think we all know that, that follow the sport, but how do you go about helping this whole situation now if you're one of these conference commissioners? Well, you know, Nick Saban, for being, in, you know, we talk, you always talk about, you know, old guys never wanting to change. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, Nick Saban is as adapted as well as anybody in the college football and even football game over the last 15 years. He has changed his approach from being a defensive guy who, you know, as a quarterback, who's a game manager, you know, not running the up-tempo offense, running the football. And then all of a sudden he realized like, Hey, and he came out and he had warning shots with that too. If this is the type of football we want. Okay. I'm not for it, but all of a sudden he changed. And then you watched his offenses, his receivers and how great they were. It took a year or two and then bam, they took off like a rocket ship. I think Nick Saban is warning like, what type, of co- what type of game do you want to have? Because I, I do believe this. You know, I, I think Nick Saban wants what's best for college football. I do think that he wants a healthy game. And so him saying those things, I think he's saying, hey, we have to figure out some national regulation. Because and, and whether that – and everybody acts like it has to be done by Congress. You know, the, the conferences could get together and say, hey, this is what we want to do. The state legislations will follow that. There'll be legislatures that will say, okay, this is the rules. Now we'll, uh, we'll adapt our legislation to make sure that that fits because we want to be able to compete. We want to be able to do it in a fair way. So, hey, these are the guidelines. This is how it's going to work. And everybody can adhere to the same thing because Nick's seeing what they're doing at A&M. You see what's happening in Texas. Like, all right, if this is what it is where, hey, every player comes in, they get this stipend, they get that. Hey, our big time guys are making this like, I don't know how it looks. I'm not exactly certain. And if you want to give me Mark Emmer's job and pay me like $3 million a year, I'll sit, guys. I will sit down at a desk and I will call people and I will figure out a solution. But until I'm making that much money like Mark Emmer is, I'm not going to do it. 
but there is a way to get it done. And Nick knows it. And so he wants to make sure that the game is healthy, that people still care about the game on the West Coast. They care about it in these other regions and people aren't giving up and making sure like, hey, we can still recruit. We can get some good players. It won't be so asymmetrical that, like, hey, it's already a foregone conclusion. We had two new teams in the playoff this year that had never been there in a group of five school. Like that should have brought some excitement to the playoff. And I felt like it did for just a moment. And then it kind of obviously dissipated, you know, and I'm not going to sit here. Here's the problem in society, guys. Everybody wants to crush down the top to say, that's how we need to make it better. That goes in sports. That goes in the economy. It goes in everything else. How about this? Why don't we try to elevate the bottom and try to bring everybody up and try to figure out that methodology and how to do it. So hopefully we'll be able to get that done here. But if you're going to rely on the United States Congress to get it done, guys, all four of us, We'll be sitting in pine boxes before that happens. Yeah, that, that's that's not the way to go. Follow Bobby on Twitter at bcarp3. Bobby, uh, just going back to the NFL discussion in your answer about the games you're wanting to watch, you mentioned your guy Matthew Stafford, and I, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, yeah, I remember you told me once that that Matthew Stafford is one of your all-time favorite teammates. Why is that? Because he kind of embodies everything you know that that you want to see. He's a kid from Dallas, so I think he. You know, he never fully told me this, but I think he really enjoyed watching Romo, you know, play when he was younger. And, you know, he and I I told him this when I got there. I'm like, man, you, Tony had a quick release. You're right there with him, but you probably actually have a stronger arm. He may be a little more elusive, but you possess a lot of the qualities. And one of the other great things is Matt is a great leader because, you know, he does everything that it takes to be successful, but he also doesn't separate himself from his teammates, which is something Tom Brady does too. Like, being able to be one of the guys because when you were you're a quarterback you're you're a different cat you know you have to you get all you get all the great stuff with it you get the tv deals you know when you're in college you get the best looking girls all these different things but you have to still remain connected and matt is one of the guys through and through he's supremely talented and he's just someone like you'll, you'll love to hang out with and so he's an easy guy for me to cheer uh, cheer for and i'm i want him more than anything else to be able to have success and to have the success that I think he deserves, they're right there now with the Rams. And hopefully him and OBJ can kind of get everything sorted out. You know, they've got Cooper Cup. They, their defense is built to be able to get it done. So I want to see those guys have the type of success that he really deserves. Because I, I think Maddie, outside of like a nice playoff run, has everything on his resume that you're looking for for a quarterback. Bobby, got a question from uh, for you on Twitter. Joe asks, what do you think about Ryan Day's interest in the NFL? Do you feel like that some of these rumors about Ryan Day maybe looking around at NFL jobs, are they legit? So it's it's an interesting question. You know, Ryan obviously has experience in the NFL. And any co- coach that does in college that has had that experience, people always wonder, do you want to get back there? And it always comes back to this question. You know, and I, I was talking to Dan on Don't At Me about this. And it's like, what's your why? You know, some, some, coach, some people's why, like, hey, if I'm a coach, I want to coach at the highest level and be the very best. Some coach, like, I want to, I want to be the best compensated. Other people, like, hey, you know what? I look, I look at this a little bit more holistically. Do I, am I getting to do what I love? Can I achieve my goals? And am I getting compensated, you know, at my fair market value for that? And so Ryan, they need to give him a pay bump at Ohio State. That needs to happen. But he has a he, his kids are all about my kids' age. He moved around a ton in the NFL. I'm not saying that he won't go to the NFL because I think that that's very real. He has experience and he's going to be desired, but. I think at this point, like this year for the future years, I think that he's pretty content 
where he's at. He's insanely competitive. He comes off as an incredibly nice guy because he is, but I don't think he is ready to leave after losing, you know, to Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan, not making the Big Ten championship game, not getting into the college football playoff. So there may be a day where Ryan Day ultimately goes to the NFL, and that wouldn't shock me at all. But I don't think that that's something that we're going to see here this year or probably in the immediate future. We appreciate you, Bobby. I went to see how long you played in Detroit, and uh, I got your um, picture on Pro Football Reference. That's that's the bonnet he wore. <laughs> Beautiful. Look at that. There it is. Oh, yeah. We've, we've missed all that hair. <laughs> we've all seen it. The long hair hey, of Bobby man. Carpenter. Listen, I can donate. You know, if you guys are looking for some of that hair, I mean, I could maybe grow a little back. We could make a nice little wig God for knows, you, whatever God it is. God knows I need it. We love you, brother. Thanks. Appreciate you, Thank man. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bobby. Bobby Carpenter. Follow him on Twitter at bcarp3 is where you can find that. Uh, coming up, we get into uh, the the story that Aaron Andrews and uh, Carissa Thompson told about making up their sideline reports based on faulty or bad information that the coach was giving them. That's next on Outkick 360. So Aaron Andrews and Carissa Thompson, two well-known sideline reporters, hosts, um, on a podcast, I believe with Jay Cutler, they were discussing um, what they do on the sideline when a coach isn't giving them great information coming out of halftime is what I'm presuming here. We're going to hear the audio in just a moment. Um, This was through Barrett Sports Media where I first read this, and it was through... Chad, I believe you shared it with us this morning. Um, Actually, David Reed. David shared it. Thank you. Uh, And Reed has more information on the podcast and exactly what audio we're about to hear. So this is from the uh, Calm Down with Aaron and Carissa. This is the name of the podcast. And they they describe this as a text chain put into a podcast. The things that you say when you think no one else is listening. And that would really describe uh, a conversation like this from two um, journalists. Maybe. I'll never forget this, you guys. I was covering every Lions game because I was a baby reporter and got all <laughs> games. And it was the year that they fucking 0 and 16. And Rod awesome. Marinelli at halftime. I was like, oh, coach, what adjustments are you to make at halftime? He goes, that's a great perfume you're wearing. I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, this, this isn't going to work. I'm literally, I'm like, all right, I got to make up a report. I'm not kidding. I made up a report. I've done that too for a coach that I didn't want to throw under the bus because he was telling me all the wrong stuff. Dude, hey, uh, attention, attention. We can make up reports. They're boasting about it. That, That first off, you can't make up a report. Secondly, when you make up a report, you can't boast about making up a report. They have producers who are in their ear during the whole thing. So if Rod Marinelli his comment to you is, boy, your perfume smells nice. You say to the producer, what do I do here? He gave me nothing. Hopefully the producer's a pro since you clearly aren't. And the producer tells you, but the way you end this in one fell swoop is you say, well, I tried to ask Rod Marinelli about his halftime adjustments. And all he wanted to talk about was my perfume. Boom. It never happens again. Never. I, I, I'm not for like burying someone, you know, if you don't want to bury them, but I also don't think there's a need to make up a report because sideline reporters get access throughout the week. Right. So you say have production have. meetings, they've talked to them before the game. You could easily go back to any note with a discussion you had with a coach. I mean, I understand you don't want to say exactly what the coach said. If they said commented on your perfume, I can understand not wanting to say that, but you could say, 
talking to Coach Marinelli earlier in the week, and we talked about the need to come out faster in the second. There's a lot of things you could say that you don't have to make up based on previous conversations or based on your own research of that game, I would think. Agree entirely. Also, if you don't want to completely throw under the bus, which is what I would do, after that game, you go to the PR guy and you say, I put up with him talking about my perfume one time. His obligation is beyond that. Next time he doesn't cooperate with me, I will throw him under the bus. I guarantee you he doesn't do it again. Well, but look, instead you're giggling about it with your, your, your buddies. To be I, I don't understand it. To be fair to the podcast, because I've not heard the entire podcast, and I'll go back and listen to it at some point, so I don't know the, the fullness of the discussion or if anything was said afterwards, I find it odd that Aaron Andrews is the arbiter of what the right stuff is from a coach. Do you understand what well, I'm she saying? She knows what the wrong stuff is from a coach. Yeah, I can she get would. that. And Hutton, I wonder you, who's you've been, been in what, this situation. Well, you've not interviewed necessarily coming into or out of halftime, but you've, you're familiar with the world. Well, and I think I'm familiar with how the NFL responds and how teams respond whenever you give certain information out or what they don't want out. You would be too, Paul. How, how did the Titans react whenever you reported the three blind mice yeah, comment Wyatt that, that was on the sideline? They side took line. away access. Yeah. So it, did, they, did they do anything to Jerry Gray? No. No, Jerry Gray got cuddled like a little And baby. the league didn't either. So I, I think there, there is some... But you don't uh, have to make something up. No, you, no, no, no. You don't have Chad's to make something exactly up. Right. But it's not like you pass along literally everything you hear oh, on the no. sideline. I, yeah. I, I or wanna, any comment from a coach. I want to know, like, I guess it, to, to what Aaron Andrews is saying, I'd like to know what the, an example of the wrong stuff. Carissa Thompson gave an example about a comment about a perfume. That's a good example of the wrong. What is the wrong stuff? Is it, you know, we see this with like n- local news where you're just trying to get a soundbite you're trying to create. I just want the coach to say this about working hard in the second half and getting on to him in the lock. If it's not what you wanted exactly, that's not necessarily the wrong stuff. But is he saying so that we're me, seeing a lot of cover two give when me actually they're the playing stuff. man? No, I mean... Is Guys, that what you, she's saying? You know what this halftime... I mean, It's all cliche. I, well, I'm, I'm so... Well, here's where I am thankful. I would rather hear a made-up report than listen to a halftime interview with a coach. But that where is, it gives us but nothing. But that is yeah, my, that is my point. So it's not the like... But they're not, co- they're not talking cover two. Exactly. No, so what is the wrong stuff? Because the wrong stuff for me to be... The coach is saying all the wrong stuff like he's giving away his game plan, which we know is not happening. So what is the wrong stuff? The funny thing is, like, I just want an example from that. Is all I'm saying. Just like Carissa Thompson, I don't want made up stuff. This sounds like it's right in, right in, you know, in tune with what they want the podcast to be. But in later on, it's it's like Jay Cutler of all people is like trying to bail them out. Like realizes maybe you're saying something you shouldn't say. So he says, well, what what do you expect him to say in a situation like that when they're own sixteen? Do you expect him just to say we suck? Like he was trying to bail them out of this conversation. He recognized maybe this isn't the thing that you say out loud. Well, and Jay Cutler also, I, I read with the quotes, had a good point about there's just sometimes I can't win with saying what I want to say. Yeah, he, he said, said receiver why, fell down. The, the question that he hated the most is why did you throw that pass on the interception? And I can't say, well, the receiver fell down. That's why I was intercepted. Or the guy ran the wrong route. Well, then I'm a jerk for you know throwing a teammate under the bus in that point. So... I don't like that question because, well, you saw what happened. We all saw it. <laughs> Why did you throw that interception? Uh, which was a good example of, I, I think he was you know, going along with the conversation with them. Anyways, that, that was 
It was interesting what Reed I, threw away. I, I don't away. think no. if you're in, I mean, a sideline reporter is not real high on the journalistic pecking order, but it still qualifies. And anybody saying they made up stuff doesn't sound well, very good. No, absolutely not. And, and I, I agree with that. I would also say that, that there is not much digging that goes on during these games right. because the NFL and the Doesn't access, like, I mean, again, like the, right. these teams want less, not more. Yeah, it comes from where Chad's talking about. Pro- it's, it's, production meetings, they're in the production meetings. It's much more difficult to get information now uh, with team to team than what it was when they would have started with Fox. At least that's my perception of it with my time, and Paul, you as well. We'll get into some headlines of the day coming up on Outkick 360.